Welcome to the Stasa Stable podcast, The Stable Master Speaks. My name is Magella Starrett. My name is John Starrett, aka The Stable Master. And in this uh, long-awaited and uh, highly anticipated episode, based on the comments John's been having, we will look at all the latest news and gossip from The Stable. Um, the autumn raising, racing, um, John's sojourn in Kenya, and what to look for in a running coach. I'm not so sure I'd call it a sojourn in Kenya. I was working very hard. However, I must apologise for uh, this episode being so late because we did record it a few weeks ago. Uh, and when I was trying to upload it, I'd upload it, I deleted it. So here we go again. Hopefully I won't delete this one. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the, the racing season that we've just had, like everybody over the autumn, a lot of half marathons and marathons, uh, it's been another fantastic season for the stable. We've had uh, over 100 PBs in the marathon, some really big ones, uh, and also some really good success over the half marathons and 10Ks too. So it's been very successful. Okay. Um, if you had to identify your top three performances over the autumn, what would they be? Oh, that's a difficult question. That wasn't on the script either. You caught me here. Um, <laughs> let me think now. Uh, top three. I think, yeah, uh, w- one of them would definitely have to be Mike Williams, who went from four hours and one minute to two hours 59 in the marathon, so like an hour and two minute PB. So that was a fantastic performance. Really, really well done there for Mike. Um, and then sort of on the elite end, we'd ha- we have to uh, look at uh, Kate Drew, uh, and her performance in Valencia, she ran 73.33, I think it was, yeah, it was. Uh, and when she started with me at the beginning of the year, her PB was 75.57, so she's come down to 73.33. But what makes that all the more remarkable um, is that she did it with a broken toe. She broke her toe, a little toe, uh, two days before the race and wasn't even going to run, but strapped it up and then give it some welly and some root to and come away with a good PB. So it was a good way for her to, to round off the season. Um, and then her previous PB to that was in the Antrim race where she ran for England, which is another PB. And then prior to that, just after having COVID in the springtime, she won the Reading Marathon as well. So there's always uh, excitement around Kate's races mm-hmm. and life. But yeah, so that would be the second one. And I think hands down, the the best performance has to go to Edwin Kiptu in Kenya. Um, Edwin finished eighth in the Nairobi Marathon and he ran 2.12.28. And what was exciting about that is that Edwin won 5,000 US dollars for that, which is great because that's life-changing money for him. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to bring Edwin across to um, Dublin next year for the marathon. I've been in contact with the organisers about that. Um, but, but the other thing with... Edwin's performance, the 2.12.28, that's the equivalent of about 2.08.30 on a flat sea level course. And probably for Dublin, probably about 2.9.30 or 2.10. So it's exciting. So if we can keep him healthy and keep him in that sort of shape, he's in with a good chance of the win, uh, which would be good because we've got about 100 people next year doing the Dublin Marathon from Stazza's Stable. So it's going to be a big, big weekend from the elite end to beginners. And uh, again, there'll be lots more PBs. I suppose one of the things I should mention as well, whilst there's been loads of success, we have to be honest as well and say, you know, when things haven't gone quite right too. And just to that end, uh, obviously New York Marathon was a bit of a disaster, not just for us, I think for everybody, because nothing could be done about that with the weather, the heat and the humidity there. So it was complete carnage. And then... Um, what was interesting this year in Dublin, uh, whilst we had a lot of success, you know, we had some people running 18-minute and 10-minute PBs and the like, was a few people were caught out and from our group as well as uh, many other experienced runners too because 
um, they didn't pay heed to the humidity and the high dew point. So early on in the race, um, the humidity and the dew point were quite high. So anybody that went off at marathon pace or faster probably suffered towards the end. Whereas what I've noticed from the data that's come in from our runners, the guys that went off a little bit slower than anticipated marathon pace got through it okay and ran decent PBs. But all the people that struggled to run PBs, and for us, that was probably about 10% people didn't run to PBs. We had about a 90% success rate, but 10% of those, I would say, um, half of them probably went off a little bit too quick uh, for the conditions. And I always warn the runners that I coach about the silent killer, which is humidity and dew point. So, but uh, it's been a very good season in the whole, though, and really delighted with the performances that everybody's put in. Mm-hmm. So, but again, yeah, I'd have to say Edwin was the, the top one, and it was great because I was out in Kenya overseeing mm-hmm. Edwin's uh, final preparations for Nairobi. Yeah, that brings us on to um, Kenya. You spent some um, time there at the beginning of the year um, overseeing Edwin's um, training, and um, you were also. Um, conducting a coach the the coach course so that sounds very interesting yeah well I was over there in January yes uh, for three months and then I was back again in September October time that's why this podcast one of the reasons for this podcast being late because I was over in Kenya doing the coaching the coaches course whilst overseeing Edwin's final preparations so yeah the, the course that I was doing there was teaching people to become running coaches so quite a lot of people have asked me um, you know, how did they get into run coaching? Because they've looked at the, the setup in the UK and Ireland through the club systems and it's just so long and so slow and expensive and it doesn't really give them the tools to, you know, to do online coaching. Um, it's more designed for club coaching, organising groups and you start off by learning how to do warm-ups and things like this and making loads of videos. Whereas, you know, what what people want to do is get on and be able to coach. So um, that's what I delivered a uh, an intensive coaching course where you know the guys had no coaching experience at all that came on it mm-hmm. and now they're able to coach anybody from a beginner you know to an elite mm, so how did you manage that what did you have on your course um well i my original thought process for designing the course was to look at the way that i go through the process of coaching and, and what i've done and maybe sort of translate that into a coaching course that's where i kind of started but one of the things that I thought about as well is that the, I think that the best running coaches are people that have a background in, in a few disciplines. So I think if you've got nutrition as one of your backgrounds, like strength and conditioning, physio or physical therapy, um, and also then uh, the, the sports science side of things as well. So, you know, having all of those skills come together as well as man management skills, which is the one that people miss the most. And I think it's probably one of the more important ones because people think coaching is just about designing schedules for people and it's not, there's an awful lot more to it. And that's something that the people found on the course as well. They were surprised. They thought they were going to come to learn what about lactate testing and things like this when it was complete opposite, really. Um, so, but we... The way, the way I sort of got around all of this was I, I had to look at, you know, what you would do on a three-year, four-year physical therapy, physiotherapy course, the same with nutrition and strength and conditioning and sports science, and plucked out the key things that people would need for run coaching, because obviously not all of the, the things on the courses are relevant to becoming a run coach, and designed a course around that. So, for example, like, like on day one, we covered things like the musculoskeletal system and energy systems and how to reduce the risk of injury through strength and conditioning. So a lot of this stuff can be done you know, quite quickly as well. So 
Um, so we, got, we covered the, the, the basics of the musculoskeletal system. We got stuck into the energy systems, which was quite interesting as well. Um, and that gives you sort of like the, the scientific background, the platform for, for the guys to move forward. So they don't need to get into all the different cycles and breaking it all down into like what is ADP, what is ATP and all of this sort of stuff. I mean, obviously we covered the, the basic things about VO2 max and lactate threshold and break points and things like that. But again, coaching is not about that, I don't think. I think it's more about the art of coaching. So you need that basic science behind you. But then really it's like, most things in life, if you look at any artist, a writer, a poet, a painter, they learn the basic techniques and then they rip them up and find their own voice and their own form. And it's like that with coaching as well. You get that basic background. But for me, again, the, the science when it comes to running is antediluvian. It's like, you know, before the flood, uh, just to explain what that word means in case anybody doesn't know what it is. Uh, whereas the art of coaching is like light years ahead of it at the moment. And that's evidenced in, you know, some of the performances that are coming out from around the world is that a, a really good example of that because people question me on that, you know, especially the sports scientists is up until probably a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, uh, most people in the sports science world believe that the burning feeling that you get whenever you're doing anaerobic work... Yeah, lactic acid? It, no, no, not lactic acid, mm-hmm. lactate. And people were basically um, thinking that that was uh, the H ions, the byproduct from lactate, or what people believe to be the byproduct from lactate H ions, was causing the burning. And a recent paper, uh, it's come out now, just disproving that completely. So, and that kind of leads the way away from lactate testing and using heart rate and zones and VO2 max and things, which are really ways just that the numbers of measuring things and looking more now. And I think this is where sports science in the West will catch up is the more polarized approach to training and higher volume training that is done sort of in places like Kenya that will come more and more the norm in, in Europe. And then we'll see the standards of marathon running and distance running improving in the UK, Ireland and the rest of Europe. Although, having said that, of course, you've got the Inga Britsons in Norway who are doing a pretty good job already. What does that mean, polarised training? Well, it's more, instead of the the typical way that people coach in the UK, and I used to do it as well, and in Ireland, is they they might do something like a VO2 max session on a Tuesday or an interval session on a Tuesday, a tempo session on a Thursday, and then maybe a race on a Saturday and a long, slow run. Whereas with polarised training, it's periodised across the year as well, where it's progressive and structured, and the... Instead of doing, say, uh, a typical session, say, a Frank Horwell multi-pace session of, like, say, six 800s or six 1000s at 3K pace or four times one mile at 5K pace, uh, the way I would kind of coach in now is much bigger volume sessions. So um, a, a typical example, and I've seen a few coaches in the UK plucking these out of some of the people that I coach as well, is something like 10 600s, 10 400s, 10 200s, all in one workout. So, for example, if you've got a woman and she would normally do 10 600s, let's say, in two minutes, what they would do is maybe do 10 600s in 204, and then they would do 10 400s a bit slower than they would do that for a session, and the same with the 10 200s. But you get a much higher volume session, so there's like 12K worth of work there. And that, without knowing, was basically where the new science on lactate has gone as well. But it's kind of a bit too complicated to explain it in this podcast. Okay. But we've maybe something but we can just come back to come to. back around into your, your course, so you have um, an element of science in it. And what else would there be then? Yeah, well, we looked at the how to reduce the risk of injury through basic targeted strength and conditioning. Now, strength and conditioning is a very complex area as well. You know, most people go down, the, a lot of people who go down the gym, they don't know what they're doing. A lot of personal trainers don't know what they're doing. And then how to 
put that in with then a, a running program as well. And this is why a lot of people get injured because they're going down doing remaining deadlifts and squats and all these sorts of things and not understanding how it works in the, the complexity of a training schedule where you're doing workouts as well. So we looked at those that side of things as well. We looked at the drills to do as well to help improve running form and running economy. Uh, we looked at different types of hill sessions, all the different types of interval sessions, tempo sessions, marathon training. We did everything from 1500 meter up to ultra running and doing training, how to train like a complete beginner novice through an elite level runner. And I suppose the way that came together beautifully at the end of the course was that uh, the, the lads on the course actually designed Kate Drew, did an outline for Kate Drew's training for the next uh, two years uh, to see where it would take and, you know, if they could plan it out roughly. Obviously, you don't do that in reality, but it was a good way to see if they could get the grasp, the whole thing of prog progressive structure training towards a goal. And interestingly, the lads designed the course, or well, not designed the course, but designed the training to have Kate run in there, uh, 226, uh, at the end of next year or the early part of 2024 so it's kind of where I've I, I, Kate won't like this but it's kind of where I've, I'm, I'm heading her towards as well so Kate I think would be happy with a 232 but we'll see what happens over the course of the next year but the lads are able to design that course in a progressive structured way like taking into account all the different variables you know that might or a lot of the different variables that you'd have to consider whilst training not Kate necessarily but Kate somebody of Kate's ability right now that's what we were looking at sir and how to progress it forward from like at the time she was 74 or 30 odd uh, half marathon runner but to get her down to 226 so they did that and on a practical basis they oversaw Edwin's last like really big run which was well at marathon pace which was 30k on the Moyburn road and they were doing all the fueling for that as well so they were implementing a lot of the stuff they learned in a practical setting as well with an elite runner. It seems like you, you covered a lot in a short space of time I mean like to me might be a bit naive but I, I would thought that you know you'd need like to build up years of experience to bring that to to coaching but obviously it's something you can convey over a short period of time then yeah it's a good point you can you can arm the guys or tool them up with all everything that they need to know but the, again you have to you know uh you have to practice it and it's practice it you know it's the, the old cliche uh well people say practice makes perfect but it doesn't perfect practice makes perfect so the guys have got to go out and then use the stuff that they've learned on the course uh to you know get to develop their craft and their technique so for example um james uh, who was on the course and my coach james as well he he just come from the copenhagen half marathon and jumped straight onto the course he what james will be doing is he's going out to kenya in january uh and i've got about 18 people going out to kenya in january now uh for training and for um uh, like to experience what it's like you know running with the kenyans but james is out there he's going to spend two months shadowing John Ewoy. Now, John Ewoy is a great coach out there, Kenyan coach, good friend of mine. He coached uh, Cosmos Matalo, who won the Vienna Marathon in 2653, I think it was, and Cosmos was also second in the Sydney Marathon, and Agnes, who won the Munich Marathon in 223. So Richard James, rather, is going to spend times time with John for two months and just implementing some of the stuff that he's learned with me and picking up some of the skills with John, how to, you know, coach elite athletes on the ground in practice, you know, down at the track and overseeing sessions. And then from there, he's going to go on to Uganda and work with elite runners in Uganda as well. So he's going to take that and add some practical experience on the ground with some of the best coaches in the world, in the best environments in the world, with the best athletes. So that's something that he's going to do. And then Mark Amahney, uh, who was on the course as well, very, very good ultra runner. Uh, he's got, I think he'll surprise a lot of people next year. 
in the 24-hour race in Belfast, just putting it out there now. Uh, but going to make a fantastic ultra-running coach, has a really incisive, quizzical mind, asks all the right questions all of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark now is developing his coaching base and, and taking on you know quite, quite a few people, but not too many too quickly, because... You know what? Part of what I said to the guys on the course is that a big part is managing the the runner, the client, and uh, and that's the things that they have to learn as well. Now, both like James comes from an investment banking background as a manager, and Mark's got a master's in in business management and has worked in very various capacities and management roles. Um, so they'll be able to bring those like man management skills into the coaching, but they need to learn it in the coaching environment because a lot of the time. The coaches of therapists for the runner mm-hmm. you know it's it, the, the 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 runner will be asking lots of questions have lots of problems and it's how you deal with those and the more experience you get with that then you know the better coach will become without a shadow of a doubt because it's designing everything around the athlete yes it sounds like um being a good coach you have to you know have lots of um skills in your arsenal it's not just about running is it it's about you know yeah, no, yeah. Developing people, like you say, helping people and having time for them and all of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I, I benefited from having some great coaches when I was younger. Graham Stanton, um, Paul Sanderson from Telford Athletics Club, um, Frank Hall for a short time as well, and then uh, other coaches as well. And, uh, and it was interesting to watch the different coaches with the different techniques. But back then, most of the training was kind of governed around Frank Hall's multi-pace training. So, and the coaching would be, you go down and you normally train with a group of other people. Whereas now more and more people are going for specialised individuals coaching where you're coaching the athlete, uh, not a group of athletes, you know, giving everybody the same stuff. So mm-hmm. it, within the, the group of people that I coach, for example, every single person's training is different. Occasionally you might have a couple of people doing similar sessions so they can link up together. But the coaching side of it, the specifics of the running, it has to be designed, I think, for the individual. And that comes with, you have to have the knowledge and the understanding of the sessions. Like when I'm designing, say if I was doing your training, um, I might be... wish. (laughs) No, I I definitely don't wish. But if I were doing your training, you know, I I might give you your week's training and I'll look at it again and edit and tweak it and take my time about it because you have to do that. You know, you don't just, you you get a lot of, I I suppose the best thing to look at is is what not to look for in a coach and and what to to look for as well. So So what would you look for in a coach then? Well, I, I, if you were going to, you know, the blue moon was out and you were going to run again, who would you employ to be your coach? Ooh, what would you look for? That's a good question. I don't know if anybody would be up to standard. Oh. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, I, I think the important thing is that the, the, the way to start is to look at the coach and the athletes uh, and say to yourself, are the athletes with that coach progressing? Because that's the first thing, because what you want to do is you want to progress. Um, and I suppose just picking the UK for a good example, Philip Kissy, I was speaking to one of his athletes today who's going out to Kenya, is it, it looks like he's, a, I don't know the guy at all, but he's producing good results and his athletes are, are, are developing, especially the guy that I was talking to today. So you want to be looking at somebody who's developing and you want to look at somebody that the athletes renew with them and stay with them as well. And that every coach will lose athletes for different reasons. But if the vast majority of people are renewing with a coach, to me, that's a sign that the coach is getting it right. You also, there's so many different things you've got to look at. Uh, what type, it depends what type of runner you are. If you're an ultra runner, a track runner, a marathon runner, or if the coach covers all of those sorts of things. So you, you want to look that they can specialise and help you in your area. Um, you want to be questioning them as well. 
and asking you know, if they've got experience dealing with people like you and where the evidence is for that and maybe checking with some of the athletes that they coach about them as well and even previous athletes as well, pe- people who aren't coached by them anymore. But I think one of the key things is that the, the, the coach has to be de- dedicated to the athlete and that's really important because there's a bit of a dichotomy here between the runner and the athlete. The, the runner's self-absorbed. And I know this from myself when I was running, all I was interested in is what time I was going to do my run at and improving and things like that. But when I was coaching as well, and that's kind of why one of the reasons why I gave up running as well, you can't, if you're going to do coaching properly and running at the same time and try to do both at a high level, it's impossible because there's the conflict that's going on um, between yourself and yourself wanting to get better and then looking after the people. And one of the things, and I, I, I watched a video from... Uh, an old spar of mine from many years ago, Andy Hobdall, um, saying that, you know, it's exactly what I'm saying now really is that, you know, the, the coach is a giver and the athlete's a receiver. So you want a coach that is genuinely interested in you. They've got to be interested in you. They've got to be able to communicate as well. That's a key thing too. And they've got to be open to that communication. You know what I'm like, seven o'clock in the morning, yep. seven o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week on the phone, speaking to athletes all over the world. And that's because that's where the buzz is for me. And that's the, that's what you want from a coach is somebody who's really invested in you and wants to you to develop as a runner. And uh, I suppose in, in some cases beyond that and outside as well, you know, as, as the, 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 the strap on uh, the Stazza Stable website says, it's not just coaching, it's life changing as well. And for a lot of people, it is. So I think that that's one thing. They've got to have the background and the knowledge as well. So, you know, there's no point just going to someone who's going to give you cut and paste programs. You don't want to go to a coach who's going to give you a monthly program or a six weekly program. Your program should be weekly and it should be tweaked almost on a daily basis if it needs to be. Because if I give you a four week program and I say to do A, B and C and D, and then in week two, you don't do B, how are you going to do C and D? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's an important thing. And that's where there's a lot of con artists out there on Instagram and things as well who are putting out the cut and paste programs or they're giving all the same athletes all the same sessions all of the time. And they throw enough mud at it and some of it sticks and they will get some success from it. But it's coaching's more nuanced than that. You know, because you've got two runners who are trying to break three hours, you don't necessarily give them the same training. Some, a lot of coaches would do. They'll just have a system that they use and they give it to people. But you want to make sure that this, the sessions that you're giving to the athlete is what they need at that time in their life and looking at all the factors, whether work-life work life balance, um, what's going on with their family, you know, um, what time they have available, when they can train. And I've got some people who run six days a week, some people who run four days a week who have all broken three hours for a marathon, mm-hmm. you know. So, Again, some of the people that run four days a week, they might work shift patterns. So you've got to facilitate that with the training as well. So there's mm. lots of different things that you need to look for. But I'd be wary of, as well, of, of advertising. You know, when people are advertising on the time, all the time for, for coaching too, you know, really, from my experience of it, the best coaches don't need to advertise. It comes from referral. You know, you get people, I, I, I never advertise. So, and I don't mean I'm the best coach one off, but not oh, the. It does. It <laughs> I'm does. so humble. I'm you're so humble. But again, you shouldn't need to advertise. If you're good, people will refer other people to you. And if you're doing your job properly and you're supporting the athletes, say on Strava or on Instagram or Facebook or wherever they post their runs, you should be commenting on their runs and encouraging them and helping them. And people will see that. So that's part of it, part of it as well. It's not just give them the training, switch off, and then give them the training the following week. You've got to be making sure and checking in with people. So for me, the bare minimum that I what I would say for somebody is you want a coach that has a background with physical therapy to some degree or physio, uh, so they can reduce the risk of injury and strength and conditioning. Some 
good knowledge of sports nutrition, especially from a running point of view. They understand the basics of the science, at least have some experience of coaching um, and they're not overcharging because some of the people that are out there charging are ripping people off completely. I mean, I suppose in terms of price, I'm probably one of the cheapest coaches out there. Uh, and yet I coach beginners to people who've gone to the Olympics and World Championships. So, you know, you've got to look at that as well about the price and the value. Like some, what some of the people in the States are paying is stupid money. I mean, nobody should be paying 100 quid plus for, per month for a, a coach. If they are, they're stupid because you shouldn't be. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even pay Canova that to pay me if I was a you know a top class runner. Not not a chance. It's, it's that's just a complete rip off. So look at what you get for your money as well. And when you get coaches giving you different types of programs, where you pay X for to speak to me once a month and B to pay uh, this amount to speak to me three times a month, mm-hmm. you should be able to speak to your coach every single day if you want to. And I coach a lot of people, and my every single athlete that I coach knows if they want to speak to me, they just give me drop me a message, and I'll speak to them. And we do appointments as well, and that's all included in everything that we do. That's really key. Communication between the coach and the athlete is massive. That shouldn't be something that is price tagged with the number of calls equals a different price. That should just be that's that's a bare basic a bare minimum. And again, what we do within the group as well, and this is something you should look for: Does your coach give you weekly feedback? If not daily feedback, does he give you weekly feedback? That's or she. Or she, yes, exactly. Your, your coach give weekly feedback. And then also how often, if you're happy, if you're the sort of runner that's low maintenance and happy just tipping away, does your coach at least speak to you once every month or so to assess the last four weeks, see where you are, discuss where you are, and then run dogmatically giving your training, you both work it out together and step forward and the coach explaining to you why you're doing what you're doing. These things are really important. In, in looking for a coach because there's too there are too many bluffers out there that are just cutting and pasting programs that they see on Strava and giving to people and making it up or if they're a good runner quite often what they do and I've seen this an awful lot uh, is that they copy the training that the, their coach is giving them and then they give it to their athletes as well and that's that, that's Report. just not uh, uh, it's just a lazy lazy form of coaching really yeah. and there's no you know and those people get found out in the end it might get short term results but in the end it just kind of crumbles around them so, uh, yeah, I'm so. almost tempted to give you the job as my coach but I don't think so I'll just keep pootling away so you, you you keep uh, pootling away so yeah yeah you know, so that's that really i think in, in a nutshell for this episode mm-hmm. so any any big exciting adventures coming up yeah well we've got a load of people going out to kenya um in january so there's a trip there where people are doing like a fully inclusive tour or sorry uh, a full board tour but it's Lots of activities, a full itinerary. So like morning and afternoon, they'll be doing different things like going to the Moyburn Road, uh, having lectures, going to meet famous runners and things like that. That's happening uh, in from the 9th of January to the 21st of January, I think. We've also got, um, I, I think, a, a group of about eight now it is, and it's fast growing of people going out for a month or two months to Kenya as well to do some training. So that's exciting. Oh, your, um, your optimum nutrition and your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah, I suppose that's... In, <laughs> yeah, so basically what happened there was on, in the summer, we were on uh, a warm weather training camp, which was kind of focused around Kate to help Kate develop. So we took Kate out there for a month and to, you know, to do her training. And I was sat talking to the world-famous Instagram legend Marco Del Wazio, and uh, we were having a few beers at one o'clock in the morning. And we were saying we need to lose some weight because obviously I've not been able to run for a few years from having COVID 100 times a week. And Mark's... You were you know, fat before that. I was not. I, I was not. I was wow. nine stone two. 
Yeah. It's 54 kilograms. Anyway, <laughs> but I can't run anymore because of my broken elbow. So, mm-hmm. I, so well, I, I thought get... your broken elbow as well. That's true. Maybe that's why I fell off the bike and broke it. But anyway, so Marco and I were sitting there talking, saying, you know, so we had a bit of a challenge to lose some weight. And that then developed, we brought in Anwar, who was down in South Africa, who my coach as well, who needed to lose some weight. And then I thought there must be maybe a few other people within the group. So we started the Fat Boys Club, <laughs> which was just to help people lose a little bit of weight coming into the autumn marathons. And it worked really well. It was just done on a little bit of a light-hearted, jokey basis. But then I got the idea of thought, okay, let's add value to the clients that I coach. So for free, I set up the Optimum Nutrition Club within Slazza Stable. So every anybody that I coach can join this for free and already there's 122 people have joined it. So what we do, doing a needs analysis. So somebody might want to lose weight or they might want to learn more about nutrition or learn more about what they should be eating for before training, after training and things like that. So it's an education platform really. And uh, I've set it up with a guy called Stephen Rice. Stephen Rice has got a master's degree in food science and optimum sports nutrition. So he's working with me on this. Um, so we're doing like a needs analysis. People have just filled that all in now, fired it across to me. And then we're going to do weekly feedback on that as well, on the nutrition but for people wanting to, lo- you know, to lose weight. But we're also going to educate people along the way about what they should be eating in, in, in the balance and also dealing with any questions and things that people have got. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be something that's going to grow organically, excuse the pun, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But again, it's adding value to the experience of the athletes that I coach. It's like doing the website with the stable news, you know. It's a little bit of fun. We do the race reports and things, but again, it adds value to the experience within the group, develops the community. That's something else that athletes should be looking at is what sort of community does the coach have or does there, is there any community or is it all just kind of isolated and... Or, you know, just like a, an email message, you know, do you want to be part of a community and learn off them? So one of the great things about our group is, you know, we've got um, complete beginners to people who are looking to go to the Olympics and they share that experience and support each other as well. So, you know, like when we were out in Spain, for example, with Kate, Kate was there and she did a couple of little sessions with the guys about her warm up, her strength and conditioning. So she was giving back to the guys within the group because obviously the guys pay me to coach them. And then what I do is I use some of that money and reinvest it back into talent like Kate and help her. So, you know, like we're taking Kate out to Kenya, paying for her flights and accommodation and things like that. But that's... Edwin, Edwin. And and Edwin as well, yeah. We look after Edwin too, pays food, accommodation, his kit and things like that too. And a few other little bits and pieces, but that's kind of the group, you know, uh, ethos that we've got really. It's about supporting each other too. And that's something people should definitely be looking for from a coach. So is it only for people that you coach the Nutrition Club? The Optimum Nutrition Club is just only for people that I coach, yeah, because, again, there are a lot of people in it and I, I can't afford to, like, thin out my time across too many people. Okay. Okay. Very so, good. yeah, that's what we've got. And there's something else happening in the new year, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you won't be in Kenya this year, will you, John? Or next year, rather? No, I won't be in Kenya at the end yeah. of this year or next year. I will uh, be somewhere else. Yes. Sunny climbs, but... Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that. That maybe where the next podcast might come from. No, we'll do one before that. We'll try and get another podcast out before Christmas because I want to talk about some specifics to do with training to help people. A, a lot of people have been uh, sending me messages about like five k training and about hill training and things like that. So the next podcast, I'll try to cover those things and show you some experience or how I've implemented it with certain runners. So, for example, like with Edwin, one of the things, you know, some of the things that we did with Edwin to help him improve, to get him down from 215 to 212, both runs at altitude. But there's certain things that we did there and other athletes that I've coached and that I'm coaching at the moment. And we'll have a little look at that and that'll help you guys too. 
But anyway, I think that's it for now. And hopefully I won't delete this podcast and we can get it out. Yeah. And uh, have you got any little treats for us for Black Friday? Um, Which is next Friday, by the way. Is it? I don't even know what Black Friday is. But uh, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, Anybody that's interested in coaching, if you give us a shout at the usual areas, like through the email address or Instagram or Strava. And if you use the word... Jelly Baby, that's Magella's nickname, my sobriquet for Magella. If you use jelly, <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> if you use the sobriquet Jelly Baby, you can get a 10% discount on coaching in the stable. Now, places are limited because I'm pretty much full at the moment. So, uh, you know, if you need to, if you want it, you've got to get on it quickly. It runs out the offer by the end of November. That's it. There you go. And I just said I don't advertise, but I'm not advertising. It's just that a few people been asking a few questions and Magella said I should be give 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 away a little bit of a discount to some people out there okay <laughs> there we go are we all done yes thank uh, you very much okay speak to you soon and again apologies hopefully. yeah hopefully <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh apologies for this one being so late thank you bye-bye